When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on table settings at war, too much to eat, photo scrolling, a house guest's guilt, and adults at play, children be warned. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on notching it up for those closest to us. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining Members, your Sustaining Member Question of the Week is about a house divided when non-family stops by for a visit. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Setting. And I'm Lizzie Post. And you're doing great this morning. <laughs> it's been an up and at them kind of day. <laughs> You've had a whole day already. I've had a whole day already. I uh, Yeah, I got to go and present to the Virgins Rotary Club at the Stronghouse Inn. Uh, it was a lovely little breakfast and talk. Very simple, very casual. These are the kind of talks I love to do the most because you really are just having a conversation with the people in the room. But it was really nice to talk about Emily Post etiquette and to talk about how that came to be and then where it is now in terms of consideration, respect, and honesty and being something accessible and, and alive in the world. Civility is not dead. Sounds like a Rotary event. I love the Rotary, as you know. They're a <laughs> phenomenal community organization. Their whole commitment to civic service is really incredible. Tell me a little bit about the community of Virgins. It was uh, it was really exciting, actually. The police chief is on is a member of the Rotary, and so he was there, and he came up to me afterwards and told me that he actually does presenting work on civility uh, for his his police department, and he was saying that the message of consideration, respect, and honesty, and that everyone in the world deserves respect simply because they are alive and present on this planet was really impactful to him, but also really resonated with what he teaches. He says, I want all of our officers to make the citizens feel like we are there to protect you and that courtesy and respect are something you will get from us when you're interacting with us. And I just think, you know, this can often be an area that's fraught, right? There's a lot of safety that officers need to um, be taking into consideration for themselves when they approach a situation, especially one where they don't know what's going on. And yet us civilians often feel nervous. We've got someone in, you know, like Kevlar vest walking up to us. It's a it's a moment where um, I think etiquette and civility can really shine. And I love to hear that that the police chief is actually working on that with his community and with his with his staff. I've heard you talk many times about 
how important you think etiquette is in service professions. Yes. And in so many ways, policing is a service profession. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you had the opportunity to talk with someone about it and that you feel like that was a message that connected. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a little bit of a follow up there. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I was very encouraged by it. It is always amazing when you you open up this language and this conversation that we have here on the podcast. And I, I let the Rotary Club know that, you know, our podcast listeners write in and say that hearing this kind of conversation on a regular basis helps you change your life. It helps you be more aware of the people around you. And that leads to more positive interactions. And hearing hearing this audience embrace that. And even at the, at the very end, the chief actually told me that he was on his way to deal with the situation and that having that boost of CRH in his life before heading to it really helped change his perspective about how he would enter that situation. That's etiquette alive and at work, my friends. Like that is literally making a difference. And I am I'm just so excited by that. That was probably one of the best things I could have heard in a long time. I was just going to say that's the nicest compliment Almost that someone could pay. It, no, exactly. It, it makes Dan and I show up every single day to do this job no matter what. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice work, cuz. Thank, Thank you. Well, we probably need to get to some of our really good work here on the show and start answering some of these etiquette questions. <laughs> Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. And on Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. If you leave us a post, just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining member in your message. We'll answer your question on the sustaining member site where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. 
Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is short and just, uh, we had never seen it before, so I wanted to throw it in there. It's called A Table When at War. It begins, and it's very short. Should the sharp edge of the knife face away from the plate when the country is at war? Short answer, no. No. (laughs) The knife points towards yourself. Always. And this was a new question for me. I had to do some research and the Google showed me an article that Miss Manners wrote in 2011. Oh, wow. And she made a really funny joke out of this question. She started talking about how family dinners could be like wars or Thanksgiving could be a war if the circumstances weren't good. And Oh, Judith Martin, I love you. (laughs) She is sharp. She has a quick wit. And she says, however bad things get, you don't ever want to be threatening your table mates. So no, Blade of the knife towards yourself and more broadly, I just want to concur with Judith that no matter what the situation, that basic principle of you're not aggressive at the dinner table when you're sharing meals with other people. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for writing in Anonymous for this question because it was was an interesting take on table manners and table manners at different times in our society. Our next question is about having too much to eat. Good afternoon, awesome etiquette. The other day, I was enjoying dinner at a friend's house. She had plated the food for us while we were in another room. It was a lot of food for me. Delicious, but too much. Would it have been okay to have left some of it on my plate to be trashed? Would it have been better to have said something before eating and put some of it back? We had brought a side dish, so I think it would have been clear that it was just too much food in general and not a dislike of her cooking. Thanks for any ideas on sample scripts or perspectives. This is one where I say you just go go with what's going on at the home. I wouldn't worry too much about trying to say, oh, no, no, no. Could I actually have half of what you put on my plate? I think that's just a little bit too much of an interruption to the host. And clearly in this case, they're plating things for you. There's a sense of wanting to care for you in that way. And your host is the one who's taking care of what happens to the food once it's not been consumed. And so whether that's composting, whether that's saving it for leftovers, I mean, it's really up to them to decide. And so what you do is you sit down, you enjoy that food to the best of your ability. There's no obligation to clean your plate. I certainly don't think you should feel forced to clean your plate. If it, if the host said, oh, my goodness, I, you, you barely ate any of it. Was everything all right? You say, oh, it tasted absolutely delicious. I happen to have a very small stomach. Um, I think that's really the, the way to go. And that's also lesson learned for the host in a moment of, oh, wow, maybe my portions are really big or maybe I should have asked first. Hosts don't have to ask first, but it is thoughtful, especially if we do want to look at look at things from a perspective of not wasting food, something that is very valuable. So. It's a good thing to be thinking about. But as the guest, I think, let yourself off the hook guilt-wise on not consuming all that food. Absolutely. We say you should try everything, but you're not obligated to finish anything. If you're in a situation where someone's in the act of serving, oftentimes there's a 
pleasant little exchange that happens. Oh, would you like some of this? Oh, would you like some of that? Oh, that's my favorite. I'll take as much as you can afford. (laughs) Or, um, oh, I'm not a big fan of asparagus. Just give me a a little trial portion. Those are all things that are okay to say if you've got that opportunity in that moment. But once the food is being presented, if people are just picking up the plates, I think you say to yourself, oh, there's no real harm here. And it is my host choice. So enjoy that food and don't forget to thank your host. And also remember, you're here not to see how much or how fast you can eat, but to have a good time. Our next question is titled Photo Scroll, and boy, is this one relatable. Dear Emily and Dan, I love it. We haven't had that in so long. Hi, I love your podcast. I was introduced to it by a dear friend at the beginning of this year and have been devouring every episode. As a 40-plus-year-old who grew up in a home where etiquette was not taught or really valued much at all, I have loved learning how to apply etiquette to my life and thus help me to be a better and kinder person. I also cringed when I've learned my past mistakes and how I may have offended people unknowingly. Please don't don't cringe. You are probably very considerate. Any offense was even probably just said, oh, I clearly this person didn't get it in the moment or so. It's a don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I was in a situation this week that I would love some help with. I have started a new job in a school. I was talking with a student teacher who is in their late 20s, i.e. not straight out of school, but functioning adult for some time. When we realized that he had been a support working in a program my son had attended during the recent holidays. Seeing as there were over 150 children at this program, he asked me if I had a photo of my son to jog his memory. Of course, I immediately whipped out my phone to show him. This is where I got stuck. The teacher then looked over my shoulder while I scrolled through the thumbnails on my phone to find the photo of my son. I felt extremely uncomfortable with him seeing some of my personal photos, screenshots, selfies, oh cringe, and random photos of my personal life. How should I have acted in this situation to not make him feel awkward or offended, yet stop him from seeing all my photos? Thank you kindly for your advice and amazing podcast. Kind regards. Moving forward with grace and kindness. Oh, I love that signature, moving forward with grace and kindness. But seriously, how much has this happened to all of us? What a phenomenal contemporary etiquette question. It happens all the time. What do you do when you're in this situation? And I find myself in this exact same situation because I love to share pictures of Anisha and show them. Totally. I use my phone for work. I use my phone for personal stuff. I mean, it's 80% pictures of Anisha, so it's not a difficulty to find a recent one that I love. But it's a really common phenomenon. And I think that you have to pay attention to how that moment opens up, that you run the risk if someone's next to you and you take your phone out with very subtle body language of either giving permission for them to look or not encouraging them not to. And it would be absolutely good etiquette if other people didn't snoop, didn't pry, didn't look unless they were invited. But that natural human curiosity is so strong that I think people are going to look for that that hint of a clue of an opportunity. And if they get it, they're going to peek. Totally. So right from the start, I'm just even with just the angle, the way I'm holding the phone, whether it's down in front of me and kind of flat or whether I'm holding it up 
where it's more vertical and facing my face and just the hints of the angle at which you're holding it in terms of where you are and where they are says, yes, this is okay or no, it isn't. That's my first step. Right. So like I wouldn't have it low and flat and really open and visible. Instead, as soon as I go to search, I'm probably going to actually lift it up to a more vertical position that's facing me. If that's not enough of a hint to someone, I don't mind saying... Hang on a sec. I have no idea what we might find in here as I scroll through. Let me let me let me find that photo for you. And that's an easy way to just get the message across. I, I don't know what we're gonna do. When you're Never in Never underestimate moment, that power of saying the thing. The thing. Saying the thing and saying it gently and in that way that's like everybody's been in this situation, right? Right? Yes. Uh, we all have those selfies that we don't want someone to see, or we snapped a shot of that bill that we're sending to our spouse or our partner or something, or there's just so many different reasons. It's it's not all salacious, you know, but sometimes it's just private. And so I think it is it is really important. But yeah, the angle up and, and kind of away from the person a little bit. And if the person is still kind of looking over your shoulder, if you're in a crowded space and it's kind of hard to get that privacy, you can even just say, give me a second to find that. Um, just because I, I know that not every photo on this phone is something I want to scroll by. Let me get that for you. I don't want to bore you with all of these (laughs) as you flip through and change the angle a little bit so you're the only one looking at it. Also, never a bad idea just to have an album on your phone that is like the classics, the things like how how the kids look now, you know, what the house looks like, uh, things like that, because those do get the dog like those give you easy access to just go to the album. That's the safe space. It's the version of those pictures people used to carry in their wallet yes, or their purse totally. to show and share. Totally, totally. Moving forward with grace and kindness, thank you so much for this question, and we hope that you continue to find more and more grace and kindness in your life. Photography is often called the universal hobby. It is a means of creative expression within the reach of people in all walks of life, and it speaks a language that everyone can understand. Uh-oh, look! This question is titled, Guest Guilt. Dear Dan and Lizzie, hope you are both having a lovely day. Thank you for your wonderful show and the bits of politeness and kindness you spread around the world. I have a situation I was wondering if you might be able to help me with. I have my cousin's wedding coming up at the end of the summer, and my whole large family is going to fly out to attend. We have two aunts living there whom each has a house with extra bedrooms. There are going to be families flying there from Canada and California, including my husband and I. The issue is about where everyone is going to stay. It might help to mention that we are Middle Eastern and culturally more likely to stay with family members when traveling if we have any in the area. All other family members traveling there have a habit of going there to visit at least a couple of times a year, while for work schedule reasons we have not been there for many years, although they have come to us for visits. To make a long story short, I just realized that my two aunts living there have only invited me, my husband, my father, mother, and brother to stay at their houses and not any of the other cousins, aunts, and uncles. While this is going to be very helpful to us, since I don't know how many days we can be there and cannot plan the trip a long way ahead, I am afraid it might cause some uncomfortable feelings among everyone. I think they are specifically asking us and not others, very politely to all parties, because we have not been there for many years, while others have. But I am afraid it would make others feel bad or have some other sort of significance to them. Do you think I should accept and just go have a nice time or insist on staying at a hotel? Sincerely yours, California Cousin. 
California cousin. This is a theme today of, you know, do you do you accept what your host is doing or do you let them know, you know, that sort of thing. And absolutely, you let your hosts handle the rest of the family. It might even be already known to the family that the aunts were really looking forward to hosting this branch of the family because you all don't get out there as much. I mean, that's I could see that happening. Absolutely. Sounds very reasonable. Absolutely. In fact, I believe with our California cousins, we did something very similar at a wedding. So it is really up to your host. You should feel confident. You've already stated the thing that I think that is most important, which is that you're aware that they've very politely to all parties communicated that you will be the guests. I think that that just shows your hosts have tact and they're being clear with everyone. I I say go, enjoy, absorb, have fun with the family, have fun visiting, have fun staying with the aunts and don't take on any guilt whatsoever. I couldn't second that any more strongly. You can, if you want, offer to stay somewhere else. That's always something you could say to somebody, particularly if they're planning a big event and you think it might make things easier for them, but really don't feel like you have to. It's yeah. not it's not a, an undue obligation you're putting on them and you're not putting them in a difficult situation with the rest of the family just because they can't host everybody. Weddings are special occasions. There's going to be a lot of people there and they might be making all kinds of choices for all kinds of reasons. And think about what you started off this question with, that culturally your family tends to do this, tends to stay, is more likely to stay with family. It might be a real honor for your aunts to be hosting you, um, especially since you guys don't get out there that often. So embrace it. Embrace, embrace all of it and have a wonderful, wonderful time. Happy families make happy communities. Healthy communities strengthen the state. Strong states set an example for the whole world. This question is titled, Adult Party Children Be Warned. Maybe parents too. (laughs) My fiancé and I have found that we really cannot draw a line in the sand about children at our wedding. Most of our family will need to travel, and some are single parents. As this is the case, we know we cannot tell more local friends that they are not allowed to bring their own tiny humans. That said, I want to communicate that the wedding and reception will not be strictly kid-friendly, without indicating that I won't be delighted to see them, which I would. It won't be especially racy, but there will be some of the usual suspects of an adult party. Uncensored music, cocktails, revelry. When I was a kid... My own parents would have established a designated driver, trusted that I didn't understand most of the music lyrics, and had a conversation with me beforehand about their age-appropriate expectations for my behavior. Maybe even theirs. Some of my fondest memories come from grown-up parties where I played with other children and saw my parents enjoying themselves. To this day, I love their friends, and their friends love me. Luckily, I know that our family shares a similar outlook. The question here is more local friends, some of whom I know have much more conservative approaches to parenting. I don't want anyone to be surprised by the tone of the party and wish that they had known beforehand about bringing children when they might have arranged for a sitter instead. I have seen many excellent examples of how to communicate on a wedding website Never the invitations, thank goodness, that would have even me clutching my pearls, that a wedding is completely child-free. 
but I have never seen a way to communicate this particular, well, state of affairs. I have considered trusting various family members and friends to communicate this information to parents, but I'm afraid that something will be lost in the translation. I'm afraid things would be oversimplified into, John and Jane don't actually want you to bring the kids. They only included them because some family members would be upset, which is, at very best, a half-truth. Please advise. Anonymous. Anonymous, it's so good to hear you thinking about this ahead of time. Right? It's the best time to think about an etiquette problem or situation. Can I also just give major kudos to a couple who's getting married thinking about their guests? Because I think that a lot of times you can be like, it's my wedding. Let other people just deal. And I like the fact that you're saying, no, 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 we're going to have my wedding my way or our wedding our way. But we also don't want people to just feel like we're just making them deal. You're being an excellent host. Absolutely. And... You're thinking about wanting to have a wedding that is yours, but at the same time accommodating everyone is the heart of good etiquette. So what do you do? Well, I think the reason that you haven't ever seen this before is that in many ways I think there's a natural solution here. Most people understand that a wedding ceremony is going to be a special moment, but that it's often followed by a reception where that special moment turns into revelry and celebration of that special moment. It is not uncommon for that revelry to provide adults with an opportunity to let loose and to celebrate and to – how did you put it, Lizzie Post? To adults at play or something yeah, like this? Yeah, to be adults at play. <laughs> Weddings are such special times. You get to see old aunts and uncles and grandparents dancing. You get to see people that – love each other, care about each other, are important to each other, who don't always get to see each other, getting together and enjoying good food, oftentimes good drink, people understand. And I think that it's okay to trust parents to make good choices about how they manage and handle their kids. You're not talking about anything that's so out of usual expected behavior that someone wouldn't be able to figure out how they're going to navigate that. And parenting decisions are personal. They're decisions that people have to make all the time so they're used to making them and i think that you can you can lean on that just a little bit here and feel comfortable doing what you're going to do i feel like if there are some couples that you're particularly concerned about or that you'd like to give a heads up to like if you, if you know that there's you know a group that's uh, maybe they're really working on explicit language with their children. Maybe that's something that they're really focused on. And you know that some of your favorite dance songs don't have clean versions of them or something like that. You might want to just say, hey, I know this is a concern you all are particularly working on right now. And I just wanted to let you know that, you know, the DJ, the music, that kind of thing might come up as an issue for you. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. Even that, honestly, as I say it now, feels like too much. But I and I get but if you know yeah, that particular parent exactly. and you know that's the issue with them and their kids right now, I think that kind of specificity is appropriate. Okay, good. Because it felt like it feels weird to say it, but if it if it feels right and for that particular circumstance, I think you should go for it and feel confident in that way. And I also think really when you're talking to folks about the event, talk about how much you're excited for this to be a let loose, party it up, have a great time kind of thing. You know, I think that when you're hearing about a wedding that sounds like it's going to be a rock and rolling good time that, you know, parents are going to pick up on that and maybe say, I don't 
don't know, maybe it's not a night for the kids. And you can even say, I want you to feel encouraged to let loose and hang out and like really have fun at this party. <laughs> so often parents are going to say, I so appreciate that. And at 730, we will be watching our clock and heading home because that is meltdown Danger zone time. <laughs> totally. So I think you can also have in your mind a, a little bit of an awareness that as the afternoon and evening progress, little by little, you're going to see less and less of the two and three year olds, five and six year olds, eight and nine year olds. And eventually even the 10, 11-year-olds. It's funny how much sometimes the the older ones end up crashing early and it's the wee ones who are, you know, it's like the two-year-old who's at the party till 10 o'clock at night, you know, and it's the the seven-year-old who's asleep on the, you know, lawn chair somewhere. Um, But it is funny how that all works. But there is the option, too, of trying to provide a sitter or something like that on site or, you know, at, at a particular home in the area, that sort of thing, if the kids feel comfortable with it. Not all kids are at the stages where they're okay going to a strange place, being left with a sitter they don't know. Those are really important things to remember when you're even suggesting sitters and things like that. But having that separate area at the party that can be a space that people get to can often give parents that just breathing room and that feel of relief like, okay, I can go have a cocktail and just not feel like this is wrong for some reason, whatever reason that parent feels that way. I thought your sister did that so well at her wedding. She had a a room with... There was a sitter available, but there were more kids than sitter. Yes. (laughs) But there were also plenty of coloring books, crayons, and a space where you could go with kids and the kids could play with each other. Oftentimes, kids are the best entertainment for kids. So that's another kind of middle ground option that might help for any parents who are feeling like this is a borderline situation for their kids, but they'd really like to still – be there and attend. Putting something on the wedding website is definitely not a bad idea at all for any of these details. But one thing I do want to touch on before we wrap this question up is that um, the sense that you got as a kid and the memories that you have from attending a lot of those parties, um, this is one of the reasons why in the post family, kids are always included at the adult table. It's why we really say that it is good to include children when possible um, because you do expose them to adults at different levels of behavior and you do expose them to uh, these wonderful memories. I have so many great memories as a small child of being at parties. I am sure there were things going on at those parties that were no. way above no. my my mental understanding at that point. And that, that parents might have been looking around going, well, that's questionable. But from what I know, no effect on me. Oftentimes what kids are focused on are dancing and food. And so if they're allowed to have as many lemonades as they want or Shirley Temples as they want and dance around like crazy, they, they you're right that they don't always understand the lyrics they're hearing. They do, So it, sometimes the adult perspective is almost more of a worry, I think, than it needs to be. But you really do want to respect parents who have boundaries and who have concerns. Um, you want to meet every parent where they're at. But also, never forget, this is your wedding and you do get to set the day and you get to say what this is going to be like. And I think communicating through word of mouth and on the wedding website that we are ready to party it up once dinner is finished. Get ready, put on your dancing shoes, throw a couple back with us, and let's go have fun. That'll really give parents a sense for what's going to happen at this wedding. Anonymous, it sounds like you're going to be having a good time, and we also want to wish you good luck with the rest of your planning. 
Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On social media, we are at Emily Post Institute on Instagram, Awesome Etiquette on Facebook, and at Emily Post Inst on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question, comment, or feedback on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And we had a wonderful piece of feedback from Jeremy about marathon etiquette. And he's got a lot of good points in here. Marathon etiquette. I just wanted to give my thoughts on your segment about the marathon. Number one, litter. As a long-distance runner, I know that I try to hit the trash can, and generally most runners are considerate and try the same. Here's the thing. The water pickup to trash can timing and distance is hard. Most trash cans are situated right after the aid stations, so the problem is they're gone before you've finished. Yes, we could stop, drink the water, and throw it away, but stopping is not ideal because who knows if I'll be able to start again. Or... You don't want someone behind you to stumble over you. If you do manage to drink the water in time for a trash can, your flimsy muscles may have a (laughs) 50-50 chance of hitting it, and picking it up seems like a Herculean task. We try to counteract the karma of littering by volunteering at other races. I love that. So we're going to, there are two parts to this question. We're going to respond to each uh, separately. First of all, A, thank you for reminding all of us spectators and homeowners about the perspective of just how tired you are when you're running a marathon. And I would never expect a marathoner to stop their pace in order to make this happen. Um, I was really happy to be able to provide a recycle bin, which was a little bit further down the route from the water station. And I think that's something that races can ask the community that the path is on, you know, hey, would you be willing to have us put a recycling bin here or a trash bin here to help curb litter as best we can? It was certainly no problem to just every now and again drop those bottles right in. Um, but it was it was nice to see people who really tried um, and really aimed. But when you're three quarters away, even if, heck, you start you start a marathon and something doesn't feel right that day, even just a half mile in, you might be really out of it. And so the, I, I loved that perspective on It's also nice to hear that most people are trying to make an effort, not just during this race, but then to contribute to other races so that they can they can make this not so much of an issue. I love that idea of paying it forward or chipping back in by being sure that you're a volunteer sometimes as well. The feedback continues Two, the political signs slash discouraging signs. Yes, everyone has a right to put out what they want. But here's the thing. Marathoners have no other choice to run that route, so someone putting out intentionally controversial signs seems a little ill-willed. Running a marathon is as much mentally taxing as physically, so having to deal with that is a pain. I'm not apologizing for those mouthing off to the sign holders, but I feel there is some fault in the sign holders. There is a church on our marathon route that always sprinkles holy water on runners. As someone who is non-religious, this really gets me and makes that stretch of the course miserable for me. Just my thoughts. 
Thanks for your good work, Jeremy, in Little Rock. Jeremy, I do want to be fair to my neighbor and say that his signs had no um, they had no malice to them and there was there was no charge behind them. It was simply just the name of the political person he supports. It wasn't people holding the no, signs. They weren't even holding them. There were there were like more signs that day and they were having a barbecue and there was music. So you were seeing people really celebrating the race, but simply flying their flag as well. But their flag, while some people may have been a Offended by just the person that it was representing. That's very different from the sign actually saying something on it that is putting down a particular population or holding up a really offensive ideology. Or um, sprinkling holy water on and runners that as they run I wanted by. to come to next. Because you're right, the marathoners don't have a choice but to run the route. I am shocked to hear that that is something that's not being asked first, you know, would you like would you like some holy water or something like that? Um, I can imagine a lot of people really not wanting anything, not even the question coming up to them. But I do think that that's something that as a if I was planning that race, I would certainly be considering the route. And that's something I find it goes a step too far. Um, and I understand that the from the church's perspective, they think they are doing a kindness. But I think that they really need to be aware of the fact that for other people, this is really uncomfortable. But I really did want to just stand up and say, like, my neighbors weren't doing anything targeted at the runners or targeting a particular group to tear down in some way, shape or form. But when it's that more mild form of just a name of a political candidate on a sign and someone barbecuing, you know, and in in general, frankly, supporting the race, I think that's a little bit of a different dynamic that was happening on my street that day. Jeremy, thank you for your thoughtful feedback. It's certainly given us something to talk about. We also got some feedback about episode 237 and the fork or spoon question. Because <laughs> you would laugh because I totally used a spoon with some fried rice the other day. <laughs> well, we've learned. That's the appropriate we've utensil. Learned, we've learned. Depending on the culture you're in, that's the appropriate utensil. Hello. I've struggled with certain dishes about whether to use a fork or a spoon. The spork is the solution. I ordered a set of stainless steel sporks on Amazon and they are awesome. I was waiting for someone to give us this answer. I don't know if Emily Post is cringing or saying that that's so practical. I really don't. You know what I mean? It's like, did you? are we giving up or are we being smart? <laughs> Maybe a little of both. I think so. Regardless, I like the fact that the sporks are working for you. I love the fact that you were able to uh, to pick something non-plastic and um, yay for, for quick delivery. <laughs> Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about notching it up. Oh, really? Yes, we are. And this is an appropriate discussion to have on a day where you were just speaking to a community group. Yep. Nearby, although that wasn't why I was thinking today would be a good day to do this postscript. Totally. I was thinking broadly about the opportunities that we have to teach and present etiquette. And often, often, often that is to business audiences. Yes. And there are a smaller subset of opportunities, speaking events and engagements that come up where we're talking to social clubs or civic groups or just interested communities. And it's always a bit of a challenge for me. Our core message stays the same, but I have to shut off the part of my brain that's thinking corporate business, corporate, uh, that 
leans on answers about why formal is important that are based in, well, this is important to your bottom line, organizational cohesion, your success as an individual. Why does this really matter? What's the what's the why behind a lot of the messages that I'm there delivering? And one of the last times I was talking to a group that was a social group, I found myself adjusting the 24-7 professional concept that I often leave a talk with with a 24-7 courtesy challenge. Oh, I love that. And I found myself saying – People matter. It's important how we treat people. Etiquette isn't something you know. It's not a, a knowledge. It's a practice. It's a skill. It's something that you're doing all the time and that it matters no matter what part of your life you're operating in. In fact, it's maybe most important for the people that you're the closest to. And I wanted to bring that message to our podcast. I wanted to talk about notching it up, not just for that fancy dinner or that special occasion or that business event or for meeting those new people on the street, but doing it for the people that are in your life every day, the people that are most likely to slip through the cracks of informality. Oh, you mean where that whole unconditional love thing becomes that you treat the people around you the worst and you give everyone who doesn't deserve it the best of you? That, that is exactly dilemma? what I am talking about. There's a great photo of my dad. You know, when my dad joined the Emily Post Institute, one of the fun things that started happening in life is every now and again you get a photo shoot. And there's this great photo that my mom now keeps on her desk that's a photo of my dad. It was for the Men's Manners book, and he's leaning in the doorway with a bouquet of flowers. My father has probably never done that in his life, and my mother has this beautiful photo of it. And it was, I mean, it was staged for a shot, but she also, she felt like it, it notched it up a bit. And he finds many ways to notch up for the two of them. Yes, he and does. They have a very, very sweet relationship. But I love the fact that even my mom took that photo shoot and was like, this is my husband looking exactly that part. And it's just, it's a really cute thing between them. But notching it up for the people around you, the people you love. Don't. Let your phone interrupt a conversation with your kids the same way you would not let a phone interrupt a conversation with your boss. Ask your significant other if there's something that you can help them with or pay extra attention listening to them in a way that's explicitly different than the way you do most of the time. Making that effort and making that effort an explicit part of how you behave and how you treat other people can have such an impact. And the place that I feel that impact can be the greatest is with the people that are the closest to us. And it's a reminder I'm giving myself right now. Yeah. It's a reminder I was giving myself as I was thinking about this topic <laughs> driving in today. And Etiquette isn't just something you know, it's something you practice and how you choose to practice it really matters. Well, and you always talk about that fabulous line that etiquette is an opportunity. So we have so many teenagers, you know, right into the show and out there, if you're still living with your parents, what are the things you can do? Is it just simply running a comb through your hair before you sit down at dinner with your folks? Is it, you know, mom said that her friends are coming over. How about I throw on something more than my ratty old t-shirt? And I'm not saying that teens only wear ratty old t-shirts and things like that, but what are those ways, what are those mom moments that you hear in your head where it's like, mom normally would nag me about this. What if I got ahead so she didn't have to? What if I got ahead, you know, and said, oh, hey, you're throwing a dinner party tonight. Do you want me to plump the pillows and vacuum the living room? Whoa! 
like, I mean, I think you might, your mom might burst. Usually um, it happens two or three years into college. Yeah. When they your realize. Kid comes home and says, maybe I could help with the dishes after dinner. Yeah. Get a jump on that moment. Get a jump on that moment. Treat the people that are closest to us with the most care, with the most devotion. It is also important to remember yourself. When I think about the people that are the absolute closest to us, we often talk about consideration, respect, and honesty being things that you deserve also, that respect for yourself is really important. Sometimes I clean my house for me because it's just me and me who live there. (laughs) I have seen you Instagram pictures of a table set for one. Yes. That putting a placemat under your dinner plate when you sit down at the coffee table me treating me (laughs) a way to notch it up for yourself that everyone deserves this and that little bit of extra effort makes everyone feel good and that really means everyone sometimes i put a vase of flowers in my own bathroom (laughs) the one thing i do i always make my bed that's the one thing i do because at the end of a long day coming home to a freshly made bed is like it doesn't matter what a disaster the rest of the room is with laundry and shoes everywhere and pens and books that i write gratitudes in and things like that but that bed is made every single day and i do that for me and it's a notch it's a notch up from the regular state of chaos that my house is often in you deserve it i do and our <laughs> listeners deserve it they do thank you so much for listening i hope this postscript has inspired you to find a way to be nice Take it be one patient notch up. make an extra effort or offer to help someone who's close to you today i love you nora do you love me oh i don't know jeff You're the only girl I've dated in in two months. We get along fine. You do love me, don't you? I think so, but I'll have to think about it. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Jessica. Jessica is one of our longtime listeners, and she actually contributed a postscript segment for us on uh, things to say to folks who are battling infertility. And Jessica very happily has a lovely little baby boy in her life. We've seen pictures of him on Instagram. It's been really fun uh, to see her little family grow. So it's one of the reasons we love connecting with you on Instagram now, because we can actually see you. And if you tag us in things, we can really see you. But we are so happy for Jessica and her family. Her salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope you are both enjoying summer so far. I was the one who wrote in last year about my experience with infertility and things people say and would like to first give a mini salute to you both for sharing this sensitive topic on your podcast. I've become passionate about raising awareness regarding infertility, and it really meant a lot. On to the other salute. I was lucky enough to have my baby in January, and little Henry is doing splendidly. His grandparents love him so much, and I would like to give a particular thanks and salute to my fabulous mother-in-law, Henry's Nana. She loves Facebook and Instagram and loves using these platforms to connect and share with friends and family. Although I share lots of pictures of Henry, I'm careful about what kinds of pictures I share. For example, no bath time photos. Nana has been so kind and respectful when it comes to sharing pictures of Henry, often asking me first if it's okay if she shares a photo. I have sent her via text or asking me if she can repost something I have shared on my own social media. 
After our infertility journey, we are all so excited to have Henry here, but it really means a lot that she takes the extra time to check in with us before posting, even though we are all just bursting with excitement even still. In today's world, where people often post without thinking, her consideration has definitely not gone unnoticed or unappreciated. Thank you both again, and I hope you are doing well, and congratulations, Dan, on the impending arrival of your little one, and Nisha will be a great big sister. Best, Jessica C. Jessica, etiquette gold stars all around. I want to salute your Nana. That is so nice. That is is so kind. That is the example it is of good etiquette my friend jane and i were laughing i went up to visit her at her little farm yesterday on sunday and we did dinner with just the kiddos and the kiddos are like always in a state of nakedness like they just they you know we're in the country we're just it's just little 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 naked baby bums everywhere there's the cutest picture she has of her daughter standing up on the tractor and it's from the back and it's a little naked baby butt photo and it's so cute she's got this big hat on and she's on the tractor all on her own i mean it's just too cute And she really wants to post it to Instagram, but she texted me and she says, oh my gosh, this is the cutest photo ever, but my daughter, I don't want her to be mad at me 15 years from now. And we both laughed because my text back to her was, your daughter loves running around without her clothes on. Like, this is probably just going to be a character element from her childhood. Decide, you know, to do what you feel is right. But like, at the end of the day, your kids, if that's where they naturally tend to go to, chances are they're going to really laugh and appreciate some of those photos in the albums years later. <laughs> but good to you for thinking about Just it. in case. Jessica, thank you for the salute. And I agree. I think Anisha will be a great big sister. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers, especially on social media. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463 on Twitter. I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And on Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We just joined Pandora. Hooray. And please consider leaving us a review. It does help with our show ranking, and that helps other people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thank you, Chris Chris and Bridget. Bridget. 